0: I'm Melody Hom, and you're about to listen to my interview with Jen Rubio, the co-founder and chief creative officer of Away, a luggage startup that's now valued at $31 million. This is part of our breakout breakfast series, which is a live interview conversation that I'm hosting once a month with entrepreneurs and leaders who are changing the game of business. Joining me on the stage right now is Jen Rubio, the co-founder, president, and chief creative officer of Away. Welcome, Jen. morning. Hi, thanks How's for it having going? me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So Jen, I've actually been tracking away since its inception. I think your co-founder, CEO, Steph Corey, actually launched on Yahoo Finance yes. about our, two years ago. Our
1: first ago. video interview first a little video less interview. than two years ago. Yeah. So
0: it's been amazing to track your journey over these two years. And just to give the audience a quick overview, you've sold over 200,000 pieces of suitcases. Yeah. Um, you have raised $31 million and mm-hmm. Funding, and you actually launched without a prototype, <laughs> and I find find that really interesting. Can you tell me how this idea actually first started?
1: Yeah, there's a lot in there <laughs> in what you just said. Yeah. Um, so basically, it started out of a personal pain point. Um, my luggage broke. I was looking for something to replace it, and I pretty quickly realized that there were um, no great luggage brands out there. And from a product perspective, everything that was well-designed was really expensive or the things that were affordable you knew just weren't going to last. Um, I had worked with my co-founder, Steph, at Warby Parker back in the day, And when I called her to complain about this problem, uh, we decided to just start it ourselves.
0: Yeah. So you actually were head of social media at Warby, Mm -hmm. and then you transitioned to a fashion company, All Saints, in London, and then you came back here. At what point were you like, I can actually build my own company?
1: Uh, I still haven't. (laughs) Still haven't (laughs) hit that point. Um, And I and I think that's that's been an interesting part of my journey. I. I've always been passionate about brands and marketing and um, building communities of people. And um, I've never... I think it's it's very cool to be an entrepreneur nowadays, but I I was never like, I'm going to be a founder. I'm going to start a company. It was more about... How can I take my skills and um, and help build other people's companies? So even when Steph and I were talking about this, you know, there wasn't that conversation of like, "Hey, let's be co-founders and do this thing." And you know, obviously, there were key milestones along the way, like raising our seed round, in in which that became a reality. But I think for us, it was more about, you know, we saw this problem, we had the skills to to potentially build something to fix it. Um, and it kind of snowballed from there.
0: Yeah, so we have a couple of the suitcases on set just to get a better idea of what makes Away so special. Can you sort of walk us through the
1: key features? Yeah, so um, one of the the big things about Away is that, you know, we operate on a direct-to-consumer model. So because we cut out the middleman, we're able to make, you know, a really high-quality Uh, piece of luggage for, um, you know, a third or half the price of of what's out there. So if you look at the cases here, um, you know, it was purposely designed to be very sleek, very minimal, and to really fit the needs of a wide array of travelers. But um, there's a built in TSA lock, there's YKK zippers all around, which are typically not used on luggage because they're so expensive. really like smooth wheels Um, and then the carry-on over there um, Our two sizes of carry-ons have a built-in USB charger to charge your phone Um, but all of this is just you know the really special thing about it is that we've designed the entire suitcase based on um, people's problems and uh, and what they really need when they travel and, and when we started designing it you know, there's a whole long list of of features, uh, some tech enabled, some not. And it was it wasn't until we talked to close to a thousand travelers about, you know, what they really needed and what they were looking for that we were able to to whittle it down into everything you need and nothing you don't.
0: Yeah. So would you actually brand yourselves as smart luggage? Because one of the things we see a lot of new companies come out, whether it's at CES, a lot of these tech um, display platforms where there's GPS tracking, or there's a lot more of these techie features, yours really is the charging feature. Uh, Would you put yourself in the smart luggage category?
1: Uh, We actually wouldn't. So we like to think of ourselves as thoughtful luggage, not smart luggage. And obviously there is a um, a smart feature on um, on some of our products, and I think it's more based around what the consumer really needs. And if you know, if if I think back to those conversations early on when we were designing the product, you know, GPS tracking was a big one, and we thought about it a lot. And it's something that like I personally wanted. Yeah. But after talking to so many people, you realize like the worst part about losing your luggage isn't knowing that it's lost. It's like it's that like shameful feeling of standing at the carousel <laughs> and you're like, okay, it's not coming out. And then it's like getting in line and dealing with the airline and then going back to your hotel and waiting two days without the luggage. And and those are really the things that sucked about losing your luggage. It wasn't like... Not the physical property itself. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or not even just like the knowing that it's lost. Because even if you have a GPS tracker, um, which, which comes with its own set of technical complications, it's like... You know, your app tells you that your bag's lost and then you still have to go through all of this stuff. So it's more about um, everything we do is centered around, you know, an individual's travel experience and trying to solve for those pain points.
0: Yeah. And so in light of this conversation, we heard American Airlines and a bunch of other airlines are coming out now and they will make it. Um, they they won't let you fly if you have a battery pack or a lithium-ion battery on your suitcase I know Steph Corey has spoken out about this what are your thoughts on this and how are you uh, working around this challenge
1: um, well we don't we don't need to work around it because um, the batteries in our suitcases are, are removable. easily removable mm-hmm. um, so all of our bags are totally compliant and I think um, you know, everyone loves to hate on the airlines, um, myself included sometimes, <laughs> but I, th- I think it's like, you know, their job is is to make sure everyone's safe and, and gets to where they're going. Um, so I, I do think it poses a lot of problems for other products out there, but um, at the end of the day, like, you don't want to be on a plane where, like, a lithium-ion battery exploding. is exploding. It's exploding. Um so, so we get why they're doing it, but it's also something that, you know, we've, we've thought about and it's why we have you know, our batteries easily removable. Yeah, and one of the things that I found particularly interesting
0: is how you've been adding products strategically. So the first one was a carry-on, mm-hmm. and then now you have ventured into the larger arena. What is the next step for you? I know you have a kids carry-on now. Um, is it solely going to be on this physical luggage, what's the next step?
1: Yeah, it's really funny because I have a lot of friends who work in fashion. And, um, you know, we talk about building out our SKU counts. And, you know, I'll, I'll say something. And they're like, Jen, you have one suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you built this entire company on, on one, one suitcase, suitcase. Um, which, which has been, I'm like, oh, you're right. And obviously there's different sizes and different colors. But, you know, over the last almost two years, we have um, built this community of people who have learned through having our one suitcase or or multiple sizes or whatever they have, that we are um, really thoughtful about the products we design, which is why we haven't been super quick to to roll out a bunch. Um, But next year, it's about um, expanding our our product range to basically everything you need to take with you when you travel. Um, We want to we've always wanted to build a brand that's synonymous with with a better, more seamless travel experience and we want to create the products that do that. I think something that we really want to stick to though is um, you know one of the biggest pain points when buying luggage, you know before away is that you would go into a store and all of the bags would look the same but there'd be like hundreds of dollars of, of difference in price or you wouldn't really understand the features or why one bag did this and one bag didn't. Um, which is why we have, like, the one perfect suitcase. So I, as we roll out new products, it's, about, it's not about, you know, having 100 different backpacks or duffel bags. It's about what are the features um, that people need and, and addressing those and, and really making people feel like, you know, we've got them covered, like these are the things they need to have a great trip and, um, and to get that from away. So let's talk a little bit more about
0: the price point. So it's ranging from about 195 to 295, and you say this is a huge discount to the premium manufacturers like Ramoa or Toomey. Um, do you hear complaints though that it's still too expensive? That people are looking for that 95 high quality piece of luggage, or you're not you're never gonna go into that
1: territory? I mean, I'm looking for that 95 dollars high quality piece of luggage but i think at the end of the day it's about the the components and the design and um we are you know really transparent in that we don't mark up our bags unnecessarily um and i think if you are if you're looking for something with top of the line components it just can't be made Mm. for that price and i think something we think about a lot is um you know, for the people who are used to paying six or seven hundred dollars for a premium piece of luggage, um, who then switch to Away, uh, they get the same quality luggage uh, but save a bunch of money. And for the people who, you know, for the, if the two hundred dollars range is still a stretch for them, um, they still feel really good about the value that they're getting because. Um, it's still maybe just a little bit above their price range or it's in the price range that they were originally looking, but they're getting a much better product yeah. and something that we've really seen with our customers is that you know people care more about about experiences and um and a way has um has come to symbolize like it's it's like the thing that you take with you in all these experiences, and it really is um a piece that's like that you're meant to carry for life you know we have a lifetime warranty um and we stand behind all of our products so i think for the value it's it's something that we've gotten a lot of great feedback on so
0: your real creative genius comes in marketing and branding and i think one thing i found particularly compelling is your ability to master retail. And I think all of your retail locations, SF, um, New York City, you have some pop-up shops in London. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all profitable on their own. And I find that really interesting given the state of brick and mortar right now. How are you and Steph figuring out what spaces work, what to put in the locations? Because it's not just the suitcases that you have there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, there's two sides to that. So one is... Um, when we open a retail space, it's more about how do we get people excited about travel again? How do we um, how do we create a space where we can build a community around events and workshops and classes? Um, we have a our flagship store right around the corner um, on Lafayette and. If you walk in there, you know it's a it's a beautiful space, and the first thing that you'll see is there's a cafe, and then there's shelves of travel books and travel guides, um, and then there's things you can bring on your on all of your trips. And then if you go into the back corner, that's where the suitcases are. And um, it's not to not highlight our product; it's that we want people to to be in the mindset of going on a trip and to be excited. Um, about the experience that they're going to have and I think because of that we have a ton of people who come back to our stores even after they already have a suitcase even if they don't necessarily need one um, or if they're not in the market for one so being able to have like a physical space for our community has been really important for us Um, and then I think you know on a macro level um, with the kind of rise of direct-to-consumer brands and um, a lot of traditional brick-and-mortar retailers, um, you know, closing up shop or kind of dying out. What's that? What that's been able to do for a lot of uh, digitally native brands like us is um, really work with the landlords to to be more flexible on on terms. So, you know, we're not going to go in and and sign like a twenty-year lease, right? Um, but Because we're a brand that people are excited by and that, um, you know, we bring foot traffic to the neighborhoods that we open up in. um, It really just gives us a lot more flexibility in in how we, like, financially structure our retail stores.
0: Yeah. And speaking of short-term projects, you actually launched a pop-up hotel in Paris. Mm -hmm. And tell me about that experience, how you
1: first got the idea. Um, Well... I think one of the... So what we did was uh, we... It was called Sheaway. It was a pop-up hotel in Paris during Paris Fashion Week. And I think, you know, there's a lot of events, whether it's Fashion Week or or CES or Sundance or Coachella, where there's a lot of people um, kind of, like, migrating. Descending, yeah. yeah <laughs> descending onto a town and... Um, and you kind of—it's one of those things where, like, you know, if you're going, if you're traveling for Fashion Week, a lot of times you're there because you have to work, and there are certain things you need that, um, you know, like a quaint Parisian hotel just can't provide. But they—they they aren't the normal thing. So what we wanted to do was create an experience that catered to people coming into Paris from out of town because they're coming there for Paris Fashion Week, and um, kind of like we do with everything else, we talk to people who do that um you know based on our personal experiences as well and you know thought about you know maybe on a normal day when you're traveling you don't actually need like an in-room manicurist but if you are you know going to a show or you have press interviews like that's something that's necessary it's also people are looking for the environment of um Just somewhere to hang out between shows that wasn't like a party place, uh, something that felt more like home. So we really built this entire environment based on um, what all of the people from out of town needed and uh, did a week-long pop-up hotel. We took over an existing hotel, the Amistan, um, which, you know, from like a design standpoint was... And you
0: had passed it right yeah in in passing you were like this is exactly the embodiment of a way and you went in and you talked to the manager and the owner and you sort of finagled this relationship right
1: yeah so I um I actually met Ziad over a coffee like I just popped in I was like if if a hotel this is what it would look like so then um the idea for Shayway came a couple of months later um and the first question was, of course, like, okay, but where are we going to do this? And I was like, I have the place. <laughs> if um, they'll let
0: me, yeah, and it looks like they did. They let us. <laughs> so, I mean, you're you have these these moments of creativity, and then there's your CEO who sort of figures out how to monetize them. How has that working relationship been? I know you guys have worked together at Warby before, mm-hmm. but how did you know you'd be the perfect fit?
1: Um, we did it. And I think you never you never really know until until you start doing it. Um, but I, what's been amazing about our relationship is that it's been incredibly freeing for both of us. Um, we both have, like, a strong enough vision and personality where, um, you know, I think if either one of us were, were to do it alone, like, it'd be fine. But I think when you have someone who you inherently trust with everything, um, whose skill sets are completely the opposite of yours. Um, you know, we're very right brain, left brain. And I think what that's done for me personally is, you know, I can go crazy with like brand and creative and the things that I know I'm good at, because I know that the person I trust most is taking care of the other things I'm not thinking about. Um, you know, I think everyone has a limited amount of, of energy, of, like brain energy. And, you um, she really lets me focus on what I'm good at and vice versa. Um, and we really just trust each other to to fill in each other's blind spots.
0: Like you said at the beginning of our conversation, a lot of people think entrepreneurship is cool and they want to go into it as a career path. But oftentimes they don't actually have the idea. I mean, you guys were able to raise $31 million thus far. What was your pitch? How were you able to convince whether it's... Um, People at Bonobos or even, I think, Brian Lee, who is the chairman of the Honest Company, um, Stuart Butterfield, who co-founded Flickr and is the CEO of Slack. There are a lot of these hotshot names who are invest personal investors as well. What was your your original ask for them?
1: Well, I think people like Brian Lee or Andy Dunn were, were the easy ones, right? They have um, experience building and leading uh, direct-to-consumer companies, and... Um, You know, I think the hardest part was when we were raising our seed round and we, um, you know, we were very fortunate to have had, um, been able to connect with a lot of like Silicon Valley investors who are investing in like blockchain and AI. And, you know, we would go in (laughs) and give the pitch and they're like... I don't don't get it. It's just luggage. Yeah, where's the tech? Where's the where's the app? (laughs) Yeah, and we're like, and they're like, okay, so it has a charger. We're like, oh, the big ones don't even have a charger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think it was more about we we wanted. We actually had very few of those meetings because we were really thoughtful in who we pitched. In that, you know, we were like, who understands brand and what we're trying to do? Because at the end of the day, what we're doing is a long term play. Um, They aren't going to get the kind of like software company returns uh, because what we do is we we design and make a product and then we sell it. Like, that's the business model, super easy. Um, so I think, you know, going to firms like Forerunner who have invested in Warby Parker and Everlane and Dollar Shave Club and who really understood the power of brand and understood that um, the, the brand that we're building is is the moat and is is the thing that's unique and not, say, the technology, um, you know, those conversations were the best ones to have. And I think at the end of the day, if um, if an investor doesn't get what you're pitching, then you you probably don't want them to invest anyway because if they don't understand the business, how can they really be helpful? Yeah, and actually support you
0: in the right ways.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I'm really... I think one thing that's been great for us uh, throughout the last few years and, uh, you know, with the $31 million of venture capital that we've raised is that, um, you know, Forerunner has been there since the beginning. Excel has been there since the beginning. So, um, and we've been really careful to, like, bring in new investors. So I think all of our main investors um, are the ones who have really been there since day one, since before we even launched a product.
0: And while it seems like you started with a lot of advantages on your side, whether it's your combined work experience or the existing connections you had, you both are females in a very male-dominated industry. Tell me what it was like and what it continues to be like for you as a female. I get it. You're based in New York City, but it's the Silicon Valley world.
1: Mm -hmm. I think, um, obviously, that's been like a a hot topic lately and... uh I mean, I'm one story, but if you ever meet Steph, she's like, we've just never thought we there was no point when, and I, and I understand this is like a really privileged perspective, but there was no point when we were walking to a meeting, and we were like, oh, we're girls, mm. like they don't they don't think we can do this because of that. Um, I think w- one, it was a little bit naive, but two, it was also we were so passionate about what we were doing and what we wanted to build that like that didn't even cross our minds and I think um we the difficulties that we faced fundraising um were because you know like our pitch wasn't right or people just didn't get you know the brand side of it and and there there were a million reasons and at no point was it like oh it's because we're girls I do think that we have had a very um very fortunate experience with all that stuff and I think one thing I always try to do is keep that in mind like I mentor a lot of younger women who are um either starting their own businesses or raising capital for the first time or kind of coming up in the field um and and I hear about their stories all the time and I think you know a big part of it is um it's very hard to kind of change the outside world so it's about building confidence in the women that are coming up and um, are doing these things for the first time, um, and giving them the confidence to like face these situations, and g- giving them the knowledge to um, to know what they need to know. Um, and I, that's how we try to give back, you know? Yeah.
0: As many of you may know, Stitch Fix, the clothing subscription company, went public last month. And it was amazing to see whether it's...
1: Katrina's incredible. Yeah,
0: Katrina Lake, the CEO. She got so many accolades from fellow female entrepreneurs, whether it was Emily Weiss from Glossier, um, who were really praising her and saying, congratulations, this is a huge step for us. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like these female entrepreneurs, you all are, should be considered in the same category?
1: Um, Well, actually, one of the first things that Steph I thought was this is a huge step for e-commerce and retail. But then the fact that it was led by a um, a female CEO who's a mother, um, who also, I think, it does pave the way for a lot of people. I think that um, it allows younger women to see what's possible. Um, And you know, if you read interviews. With Katrina, she talks about how she's often been underestimated. Yep. And I think, um, you know, maybe I've been too naive to think that I've been underestimated, which is what's kept me moving forward. But I think that um, the fact that she was able to do it, even, like, in the face of all that adversity, is is such a great story. Um, I think even if you even read, like, the think pieces on the IPO pricing, you um, a lot of them said things that they wouldn't say about, like, a male CEO, or um, or even just, like, the undertones of those articles were underestimating kind of this huge accomplishment um, that was happening. So, um, and I think it just goes to show that, you know, with this uh, group of, like, female entrepreneurs, we are all really supportive for each other, um, of each other, and we've, we are all um, very congratulatory when something good happens, and Uh, that's like a community and a tribe that, you know, is amazing to be a part of.
0: Who would be your dream collaboration with? I know um, Rashida Jones, the actress and producer, is one of your influencers who uh, really touts the away luggage. Um, Who are some other partners that you'd love to work with in the future?
1: Um, well, we've like have an amazing list of collabs lined up for for next year that I can't talk about right now. Just tell me one. Uh, nope. <laughs> no, no, no. That that was. I almost did it. I almost did it. Um, so your dream, yeah, yeah. Something not for next year. I, but all my dream ones are happening. <laughs> but I, let's talk about Rashida for a second because that um, I think it's it's says so much about the people we collaborate with. Um, she was a customer. She is a customer. And uh, you know she loves luggage so much. Like our first meeting, she she reached out and she wanted to talk about luggage, not about a collab, yep. not about uh, like a business relationship. She just like wanted to talk hmm. about luggage. Fascinating. Um, and it was am- <laughs> so amazing. And you know, obviously she travels a ton. And and really the idea from the collab came out of that meeting. Um, I will say this, there, there may be more, um, but I think it's about, we've, we always take care to partner with individuals um, who actually care about travel and love it and like the perspective that she brought to the table and that she continues to bring to the table like on a daily basis. Like she'll text me pictures of like other luggage with notes <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> You're like, why
0: are you should more be- obsessed than I am? And yeah, I'm, I'm the like, co founder of this should, company. Do you want to
1: work here? <laughs> um no, but she she's been amazing. She's been an amazing sounding board and um we wanna continue to collaborate with people like that. I think, um, because collabs are such like a hot thing in um in fashion and in a lot of industries, um, a lot of times people will just, you know, pick a celebrity, like sign a nice sort little of endorsement deal. Yeah. And um and like slap their name onto a product, and for our collabs, it really starts from the beginning. like you know, what are they like? what do they not like? Um, what I my favorite thing is when someone that we're collaborating with actually brings products uh, that they that they've used or that they've bought and 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 talks about those things, and that's when you know it's gonna be a good partnership. So if you didn't found a way, what would you be doing right now? <laughs> um like in reality, I'd probably be like like a VP of marketing somewhere, um, but I've always wanted to be a pilot. Really? Yeah. So you love airlines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have defending I, them, <laughs> <laughs> I, but because I want a job after this. Yeah. Um, I, I have my pilot's license. Really? Yeah. I got it when I was um, when I graduated high school, and I can fly like a little like four seater Cessna, but. Um, that's I've awesome. Had, yeah, I've had these dreams lately that, <laughs> that I'm a helicopter pilot. Wow. So if this whole luggage thing doesn't work
0: out. We know where to find you. Yep. And you could bring in away <laughs> luggage, maybe. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm going to open it up to questions okay, from the audience. You. And we'll check on our hashtag, BBFast. Amaya Penzi, our amazing producer, do we have any?
1: Yeah, we do have a question. Uh, Jessica wants to know, um, she's a budding entrepreneur, and she just wants to know, what's the best business advice you've ever received and that you tell people? The best business advice? I guess so. One, one thing that happens when you start a company is everyone loves to give you advice. Um, unsolicited. Unsolicited. <laughs> um, and you, you you really develop like a good filter of like what's good advice and what's not. Um, I don't know the single best piece of advice, but I think one thing that really changed the way I think about things, and um, I tell this to a lot of people who are, like, raising VC money for the first time, is, um, you know, we've raised over $31 million. Uh, That, I would say that last, like, $20 million that we just raised was so much easier than um, our friends and family around when we were asking people for, like, $5,000. Like, getting those first $5,000 checks i don't know what it was um was like a real emotional roadblock for me and uh my ever so logical co-founder um like sensed that in me and i said you know I, i just don't feel comfortable like asking these people for money and she said you're not asking them for money you're giving them an opportunity to invest and make a lot more money and i think just that um just really changing the way you're thinking. You're not, like, you're not asking people for a favor. Um, you have a great idea and you're building something and these people should be so lucky to be able to invest in you. And I think um, just that kind of framework really changes the way you think about things and the way you present your ideas and, um, and how confident you are going to these conversations. So shout out to Steph for that advice.
0: We have one from our editor-in-chief, Andy Sirwork. Hey, um, Jen, um, forgive me if you already mentioned this, but I know you're very keen on distributing directly, selling directly to consumers. But have you considered or do you sell on Amazon or Alibaba? And what about Walmart? And how do you make those decisions? And how do you compete with the juggernaut that is Amazon?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We are um, we sell our products. You can only buy Away products on awaytravel.com or in one of our stores. So we're purely direct to consumer right now. Um, you know, I think it's like, we n- we never say never, but also we say that we'll never sell on Amazon. <laughs> are you talking with anyone there? Yeah. Um, well, we've had a lot of conversations with them. I think right now, um, the way the industry is going, um, products that are kind of, you know, coming out online, you're either like, a commodity and you're on Amazon, and the way people find you is um, through search results and their algorithm and um, and getting that little badge at, say, your Amazon's recommendation. Um, and I have seen people build huge, incredible businesses um, off the Amazon platform. But then on the other side of the spectrum, there's brands like us, where it's a very branded, uh, very storytelling-led product. Um, what it comes down to for us is the customer experience and with what we're selling, um, there's a lot of education components. Uh, it's a it is a more of a high touch point product than I think most people would imagine. Um, our customer experience team is a huge part of the the purchase experience. Um, and I think you know if we were ever to go on Amazon the second we turn that on, you're just training people to, uh, to not care about the story or the experience. And they're looking for like the lowest price and the highest ratings. And um, I'm not saying we can't compete in that world, but, but we are just building a completely different experience.
0: And I saw doing the research on Amazon, um, they have their own bags as well. And the price point is around the Samsonite price point, like mm-hmm. 90 to 150. So yeah. you guys, I think, are still a bit more upscale than them. Yeah. Oh, one right here. I'd love to hear one of your favorite brands or a campaign which really resonated with you recently.
1: Brands and campaigns yeah. that I love. Um, Patagonia is uh, doing something really incredible right now. I think Patagonia as a brand is just um, is amazing, uh, but they are really taking a stance in you know protecting our national parks and our wildlife. And I think uh, given the the state of the world today, it's its amazing to see brands, uh, you know, stand up for what they believe in. Um, but Patagonia is just like a, an incredible brand and company, and, and the founder has, has a great take on, on what's going on. Uh, Kith, which is around the corner, is also great for, um, I think, Ronnie's vision for collaborations and his, his design sense um, will just keep them very relevant for a long time. So And the frozen yogurt Mm -hmm. it's very good kith treats right
0: here hi do you consider your path
1: unconventional yes so we we didn't get so much into uh check out my linkedin um but (laughs) i i very much um you know i started out as like a financial analyst for like a consumer goods company and then i actually wanted to do marketing but they wouldn't let me um because i didn't have an mba so i started like freelancing and then I started like a little agency and I've just kind of I I just don't think there's like a linear path to success Um, and I think what's been unconventional about it is that I've just always felt really comfortable just going to the next thing even though everyone around me is like that doesn't make any sense like I used to work for um, a digital agency and I remember quitting that job to tell them I was going to Warby Parker and they're like oh you're gonna sell glasses online and I'm like just trust me. (laughs) <laughs> Look at you now. Yeah. One from Ethan. Hey, uh, thanks for coming. So uh, I'm interested in hearing the difference between uh, company, brand, and product, and how all of these things work together. Um, we hear so much about brand lately, and uh, I was wondering if you think that's changing in terms of being more brand and, whether, and where each of those roles kind of works together in this, into a piece. How much time do we have? Um, so company, brand, and product. I think um, in this day and age, um, great product is just table stakes. You know, there we live in a world where everything is being reviewed online. Um, everyone is, you know, posting about their product. If uh, And more often than not, if there's a problem with it, people are more likely to tweet or talk about that um, than when it's great. Um, luckily, we see more of, of more of the positive. But I think... Um, if you don't have a great product, people will find out very quickly. So, so that's just like that has to be at the core of what you're building. Um, you have to have an amazing product that people love. Um, and then I think brand is just how how you make people feel and what keeps uh, what gets people excited about your product and what you have to offer um, versus anything else. I think something that you have to realize about product is um, anyone can copy it overnight. You know whether it's you know one of the big incumbents or another startup coming up behind you, um. So so the brand is is the thing that that keeps people loyal to you, and then the company is just everyone is the most important thing I think, and it's it's the team of people who are building this and making it possible. Um, and there are great brands out there, and and you hear about company cultures, and and they're not so great, and um, the company is, is is what is going to keep this thing going for a very long time. Hi. Um, So I've been following away for a long time, and I know you have a magazine, you you have a podcast, and you also work with Peace Direct. Mm -hmm. So I guess um, it's an expensive list of all kinds of efforts into connecting consumers. So I was wondering, what does all these initiatives come from? Yeah, we didn't even talk about this. Uh, so we uh, we have a magazine and a podcast and um, a long-term partnership with a nonprofit. And um, I think where all these initiatives come from is really just from our love of travel um, and our love of experiences and seeing the world. Um, we had a pretty strong point of view from the beginning that um, actually, if you think back to before Away um, and you're buying a suitcase, every single brand would just talk about You know, like the zippers and the wheels, which I also did, Um, and and kind of the materials and and the product technology. And no one ever wanted to talk about um, travel or trips or experiences, which is bananas. Um, If you if you've ever sat down like at dinner next to someone who just came back from a trip, you know that's all people want to talk about. Um, So we wanted to build a brand that was really around travel, and um, we have a point of view on on what. What people think about travel now, and um, we express that through um, Hear Magazine, which um, you know, every issue hundreds we publish hundreds of thousands of these magazines. We also have a storytelling podcast, um, both of which are revenue generating for the company. And I think it's a testament to the appetite that there is out there for for a new take on travel. Um, So we're all just thinking about how can we tell our story. what stories uh, does our community want to hear? And and then we, we build the platforms to do it. You mentioned to me that you travel, I think, 200 days out of the year? 189, 189 this year. 189 I have a this spreadsheet. year so far. Um, Uses one spreadsheet.
0: <laughs> 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 what is your top travel hack?
1: Oh, God. Um, okay, this is going to sound really obnoxious. I think when you live in a hotel... It's so key, and sometimes they're nice, and sometimes they're not. Um, so I have, I actually, I, I pack in packing cubes, and one of my packing cubes is, like, solely dedicated to my comfort. Like, I have these um, these slippers. I have a little travel candle, um, like a little Bluetooth speaker, and I think it's just, if, if you don't travel a lot, it just sounds like um, I'm super high maintenance. Um, but there's something about, like, when you haven't been home in weeks, Um, you don't even know what time zone you're in, like being able to like play music in your room, um, and having like slippers that fit you and like, that aren't like hanging off your feet, those, it's huge. And, um, you know, even little things like making sure that the toiletries that you have are the ones that you use at home, um, and, and just like really trying to make it feel as like at home as possible.
0: Hi, you mentioned you're uh, mentor to some uh, young entrepreneurs. How can one become your mentee?
1: <laughs> oh, talk to her after the show. Office hours. Yeah, come find me later.
0: <laughs> do they, in terms of that mentor-mentee relationship, do you feel like all the mentees you have right now have approached you or you've sort of single-handedly picked a few out?
1: I haven't, I haven't picked anyone. Um, no. I think it's, uh, you know, actually one of them, our our head of social impact at Away now, she was my intern at Warby Parker, and then she actually left school for a year to work for me at All Saints. Um, And then after she graduated, she came to work at Away. So I think things like that, where um, our careers have intertwined, are really fun. Um, Some people, you know, will just be connected through, um, whether it's like a friend or an investor or uh, another entrepreneur, and you just connect with that person on... And, I mean, for me, it's not about, like, you know, today I'm going to pick someone to mentor. It's about connecting with someone on a level where you, like, really are invested in their success. And, um, and, and you feel like you do want to give them advice and it never feels forced.
0: Do we have one more from social? Oh, or Hi. Brittany.
1: Hi. Hi. Um, so the, the big news right now around away is the batteries, right? That's sort of what a lot of people are kind of worried about and insecure about. You mentioned they're removable, which is great. Um, but it's not always easy to get to, right? If, it, if there's stuff packed in there, you sort of have to unscrew it and stuff. So is there a redesign that you guys are looking forward like, in, in the future? Yeah, or is there, there anything that yeah. you're doing to Let's directly address that? I'm not sure which one this is. Yeah, so actually, um, the battery just pops right out. Great. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) We did it it backstage. Just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's all the time we have for today, but please join me in thanking Jen for her time today and all her expertise. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Follow Breakout Breakfast on Yahoo Finance and live stream our next interview. We also record live at the Build Studios in downtown Manhattan, so if you happen to be around, feel free to join us. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you
1: get your podcasts. See ya!